Welcome to the Deeper Dive podcast, where we dive deep into God's Word and discover together how to practically live as disciples of Jesus through the application of gospel truth. Deeper Dive, here we are again, another week. I hope you guys have been continuing to be as blessed by this as I am. I'm here with the full crew again today. Uh, you know, it's been a couple of weeks since we did this. Why don't we just whip around and say who we are again, just, just in case we have some new viewers. Yeah, this is Jason, uh, Senior Pastor at Bethel Church. Good to be with you guys today. This is Adam Phillips, Campus Pastor of Pasco, Washington. Adam, way to go. <laughs> got it. You got the correct I did city. it. Yeah. I was nervous there for a second. So Adam's been trying to steal my steal my city. <laughs> he really has He's encroaching. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, campus Pastor in Prosser, not Pasco. And I am Dave Dawson. All right, we actually have a little bit of a different type of uh, deeper dive today. We generally go into a concept, try to go deeper into a concept, some, a theological concept. Today's going to be a little bit different. So before I tell you what we're going to do, let me start off with a little bit of an introduction, okay? So the word geography, this sounds, I know it sounds like Jeopardy, right? But it's, the word geography comes from two Greek words, geo, which means of the earth, and grapho, which means to write. So if you put those together, it means to write about or describe the earth. So why is, that, why is that important? Well, the Bible accurately throughout it describes, you know, rivers, mountains, um, nations, empires, cities, people. So God is in history, and history is connected to geography and places and hmm. people. So today, what we're going to look at is actually a very famous city, the city called Ephesus. Hmm. So Part of the reason we're doing this is, you know, Jason, you've got us uh, preaching through the book of Ephesians, so it seems right for us to at least share what we can uh, on some research we have done on this amazing city. Hmm. All right, maybe I'll start off like this. Have you guys, you guys are all pretty young. Have you guys ever been to any other ancient biblical cities? Has anybody here ever been to any? Define ancient. Ancient. Um, I know in the Tri-Cities, ancient is like 1940, <laughs> right? There's a tasty freeze. It's like, oh my gosh, it's from 1940. Ancient, I think going back to um, probably at least uh, the time of Christ mm-hmm. or, yeah. or or earlier, actually earlier. No, I haven't. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so actually, uh, we have a global partner in Greece. And so the only city... That I've that I've been to is is Athens, and Dave and I actually were there on a trip a couple couple years ago with our global partner uh, over in Greece. And by the way, um, global trips are are opening back up uh, fall twenty twenty one. We're going to be going back. I know a couple of those trips are actually to our partner in Greece, so you can be a part of uh, that journey as well. One of them is going to be a biblical tour of Athens, Corinth. Uh, Thessalonica, maybe Patmos thrown in there. Um, but yeah, we've been in Athens. Actually, Dave and I stood uh, on Mars Hill where yeah. Paul delivered kind of that famous uh, talk in Acts 17 and really got a good idea of what the backdrop of that was, the Parthenon and and all of that. Um, and it is, if you've never been to a biblical city, I know that a number of people at Bethel have been to uh, to, to Israel. Um it is it is surreal to stand in a place uh, where you know it holds so much weight in your faith to know that you're standing in a place that Paul stood or in in Israel where um, you know many founding fathers of our faith and obviously the Lord Jesus stood as well. So it's it's powerful. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
So the city we say we're going to look at is Ephesus. I will, I will share this. I did go to Ephesus with another guy from uh, Bethel here about, I think it was about four years ago. And without going into much of detail, the thing that really struck me, I mean, it, it actually got me emotional, was actually going to the, there's a Colosseum there. Mm-hmm. You can read about it in Acts chapter 19. That'll probably come up today in our deeper dive. But to know that in this little hallway that led right into this, this Colosseum is where Paul stood and where they, people did want to stone him, they mm-hmm. want to kill him. It brought things to life. Yeah. It, I, I'll admit, it was pretty amazing. Okay, so we're going to, and here's another, here's kind of a, uh, here's a theological word for us, right? We're going to exegete Ephesus today. So what, do, what does that word mean? What does it mean to exegete something? Why is, why is that important? Um, yeah, it's interesting to use that word against the backdrop of a city. Um, typically, when we talk about exegesis, I mean, like a we think about exegesis, we typically think about the Bible, but you can do that of any literary work. So it it really is it's a critical explanation of a text. Um, some people think of it as an interpretation of of the text, but really, what it means is, I mean, to explain it or to expose it accurately. Yeah, to to I think X means out of or to out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're pulling information out. And <clears throat> uh, Jason, you said something. You said usually we we talk about exegesis in the terms of text. I think uh, just uh, when I was in college and I kept hearing that word, I, I got confused. It's exegesis, not exegesis. <laughs> yeah, <right>. yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it, yeah, it's not. Yeah, so. Yeah, I've yeah. heard the phrase too, cultural exegesis, where you're you're looking at maybe the place you live or a place that you don't live and trying to understand it and unpack it, mm-hmm. you know, critically explain or understand what it is and what it's about. Yeah. And it even shows up in scripture. So um, I was looking this morning, Second uh, Timothy 2.15 says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed. And then here it is, rightly handling the word of truth. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about scripture, we're talking about, obviously, we want to handle it carefully and well and in a truthful way. And I think where you're leading us, Dave, is when we look at a city, um, we're unpacking a historical um, place that actually existed in history. And we want to we wanna unpack it critically and carefully because there's truth to be had mm-hmm. in that real historical place. That's really good. And hopefully, if we do it any kind of justice, these are things that you, our, our listeners, can do on your own. You can also do an exegesis of you know, people, places, scripture. You can, you can do that on your own. Okay. So you, you asked why, why it was important, right, to do that. I think that to understand the culture behind a city of the time that it, there was a writing, like when Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus or to the people in Ephesus, um, what it does is it helps us understand why he's saying what he's saying the the temperature of the city and the culture that people would be reading his letter in it helps us better understand and, and apply to our lives what what Paul is, is writing. Mm-hmm. So that's really good. I mean, the word that comes to mind, uh, Brooks, is context. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it, the context of the scripture is extremely important, and then even the context of where it took place, you know, historically is important as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so well, let's let's head toward uh, Ephesus. But why don't we go and start off with the Book of Ephesians? Um, we start. We started this Sunday, so guys, how would you describe how would you describe the importance of the Book of Ephesians? 
all all scripture is important, right? But why is why is Ephesians been lifted up like to such a such a height? Um, man, Ephesians is wildly popular. Uh, it was um, has been cited numerous times by saying it was John Calvin's favorite book. Um, he he wrote a commentary specifically on Ephesians. He quoted it. Uh, like I think like 400 sometimes in his institutes. Uh, and so it's, it is just a wildly popular book because it's very practical. Um, <clears throat> I don't know what other pastors said that uh, you could, if you took out to the church in Ephesus or to the, to the Ephesians uh, that it would, you could write it to almost any church in today's age because mm-hmm. the issues that Paul is writing about are applicable to our days. Mm-hmm. Um one one commentator said it, it was it's the best book for influencing Christian thought. So I see that as man, it's a, it could, it's a good book for or a good letter for new believers. And then another commentator says it's the crown of Paul's writings, which means mm-hmm. it's it's also practical for mature believers. So it hits that both ends. New believers, hey, if you're new to your faith, if you're young in your faith, if you don't have a faith, read Ephesians. If you're mature in your faith and you feel like you got stuff together. Read, read Ephesians. It's yeah. that good. Yeah, it's good. There's so much there, and it's packed, and it's almost a third of the size of Romans. <laughs> so right. Romans is quite the investment, and it's 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 up there with Ephesians. But Ephesus or Ephesians is slimmed down. It's it's got so much packed in there for what Christ has done, and every single place basically that that, that interfaces with our life in the world. Mm. Really good. Yeah, I, and I also I would just add I love that it. It provides practical answers to the questions that I think a lot of us are asking. Namely, how do I live in light of the gospel? How do I live in light of this position that I now have in Christ? And so we'll see the second half of Ephesians. It fleshes this out in like the relationships that we are all engaged in, in the church, uh, you know, in, in various communities, in, in our marriages. Uh, mm-hmm. in our parenting, in the way that we we engage in warfare in this world, like all of those things. And so those answers are coming in the second half. But Paul, in you know, obviously led by the Holy Spirit and his genius, he sets that up by identifying like these foundational truths of like, mm-hmm. here you are, you've been newly formed and newly fashioned in Christ. And in light of that, here's how this looks in everyday living. Okay, great. Well, let's start off with a couple of those factoids, right, about Ephesus. Um, where is Ephesus? Where's it, where's it located? Not in the United States. Oh, <laughs> shoot. Not in the United States. Uh, Brooks is like, oh, man, I got to... Oh, gosh, I got to... <laughs> <laughs> um, I got to apologize to some, some people. No, it is in modern-day Turkey. Mm-hmm. Modern-day Turkey, off of the GNC. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I shared earlier that it's about 80 kilometers from Izmir. If there, some, some of the people might have been to Izmir. Izmir is a good-sized port mm. city in, mm, in yeah. Turkey. And Ephesus was actually <clears throat> really interesting when you look at it. And I hope that people do you know, go and actually study this on their own. But, but Ephesus, you, know, you read about it being a port city, mm-hmm. but it's not on <laughs> the Aegean Sea. So mm-hmm. uh, if you go and you look at some pictures, uh, I, I think we're going to put in our show notes um, Adam led us to uh, something that's free on Amazon Prime. If you have Amazon Prime Video, called "Exploring Ephesians" or "Exploring Ephesus," excuse me, um, just a one-hour uh, video that shows you that. But you see this port that's no longer a port, um, but it was a canal that was cut cut out, and ships would actually pass through this. But it's filled with silt over the years, and really, Dave, you said when you were there, 
there wasn't even a hint of water, right? In the no, harbor. you couldn't you couldn't see any water at all. Yeah, it was that it was that far away. Wow. And yeah, 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 yeah. You're you're hearing that it was a port city. Yeah, so yeah. It's as dry as the Tri Cities, uh, almost <laughs> getting there. So, well, how about this? Do we know the population of Ephesus at least at that time? I th- I think it's conjecture. There is like historical data. I found somewhere around two hundred fifty thousand. So maybe just yeah. shy of or around what we are here in the Tri Cities in the Columbia yeah. Basin. Yeah. Okay. And is Ephesus still a viable city today? I mean, if you go there, is it like a working city? No. There, there's a neighboring town. I can't remember the name of it, but Ephesus is the ruins of what was once a vibrant, flourishing city, but now it's it's not. But you can go there, and there's still the rubbles. You know, you said you stood in the amphitheater. Yeah. There's still pieces of Artemis' temple, but yeah, it's not a place where there's people living. A lot of tourists. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So we're going to have to go back a couple thousand years ago to get to this, so... Uh, what was Ephesus's economic situation at the time that wrote, or pardon me, that Paul wrote Ephesians? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting. So we're going to unpack in our in our different uh, messages, and then throughout the course of um, the book, walking through it. So the background is, I mean, Ephesus was a thriving city. Um, we don't know whether it was the fourth or fifth largest city in the world at the time, but I mean, so. So think, you know, think Rome, um, think Antioch, if you kind of know about that. Um, Ephesus is not far behind really what we know of, of, of ancient Antioch. Um, so it is a booming metropolis. Um, it is at the major crossroads of, of trade. We mentioned their, their harbor, uh, that was in existence in the first century. Um, but there is, there's major trade. So think like global, a global influencing City, uh, it is it is uh, reaching multiple continents. Um, very popular, very diverse from what we can tell. Um, the the spiritual climate, which I'm sure we're going to get into, is also as diverse as its people. Um, so yeah, I when I think of a multicultural, multi ethnic kind of global city, um, you know, Las Vegas. If if hmm. you think about Sin City, uh, that's a city that comes to mind. Um, but I mean, it could be even similar to like a, a New York City or an LA. I mean, it is a metropolis. And so think people stacked on top of people squeezed into this valley. And, and like you said, the population the size of roughly Tri Cities. So the gospel back then, quite often, if I'm not mistaken, you guys can correct me, but it did spread along those commercial lines. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Kind of following the Roman roads, you know. And um, I think the other thing is here we find this is encouraging. You know, we're, we're, we'll get a little bit deeper into the spiritual, spirituality of Ephesus, but the gospel thrived there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Big city, mm-hmm. commercial, things happening, yep. energy. This is a crazy city, all kinds of things going on. Yep. And the gospel did great in that situation. Mm-hmm. I think it was almost in a way that Paul, uh, he spent a lot of time there. I think he spent more time there than any other city that he stopped yep. in. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So Paul targeted it for ministry, mm-hmm. uh, which says something. Uh, he targeted a powerful, wealthy, yeah. influential city to mm-hmm. further the gospel quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and th- that's not to say that we don't like rural, small towns, right. but at that point in history, when Christianity was just beginning, Paul said, let's go here to these mm-hmm. to this major city, because he, he refers to it in, in Corinthians, he refers to it as, or uh, in, in Acts, I think he refers to that, is, I have an open door to ministry here. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. he, he targeted it. 
and he targeted it. It's really interesting. So was it his second missionary journey? Um, he is, most people believe, bound for Ephesus, and the door's closed, mm-hmm. if you remember that. And he, that's when he receives the Macedonian call. Yes. And so he actually, you know, he actually bypasses Ephesus. I, most people believe he was on his way to Ephesus, mm-hmm. strategic call. And then he, and then he hears the Macedonian call, of course, goes to Greece, ends up spending some time in Corinth. From Corinth, he ends up visiting, you know, uh, Ephesus. But it's really interesting. He had that on his, on his mind, on his heart. God closes the door. And says, not yet. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I, I don't know, that's just like a hidden gem as we've been studying and unpacking Ephesus. He had it in his mind, but God had a specific time for him to go there. That's, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what, what do we know then about the spiritual or slash uh, religious climate of Ephesus? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if you read Paul in about Paul and Acts, just from the mouths of the people there, the unbelievers, they said that Paul and his gospel has turned the world upside down. And so Christianity, like we've been saying, had a massive influence there, but it was a very religious place already. Um, even before Paul brought um, Christianity, one of the major features of the city there was the temple of Artemis and um, the goddess Artemis. That was one of the seven wonders of the world at the time. And people would travel from all over the place to- So it was massive. It was huge, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they would worship there. And that was just one of the many different idols that were available to people. Um, so what was Artemis the, like the god of? Uh, the god of- uh, goddess. The goddess, yeah. yeah. Of, um, of beauty, right? Of beauty, but also, I mean, she, so the statues show her very voluptuous, um, very, uh, um, I don't know, uh, exaggerated sexual features. So mm-hmm. there's that side of it, but also of, of hunting and uh, renew, renewable resources or fertility. So um, you often see pictures of her now um, that uh, holding, the, holding a bow um, because it was, yeah, that, that sort of hunting, agriculture, farming mm-hmm. um, type, of, type of thing. And people do believe, and you actually hear them refer to it in Acts 19, that they believe that there was, that, that she fell from the sky. So there was actually like a, a stone or perhaps it was a meteor that fell and they built this temple around mm-hmm. her. And so Paul, really interesting. So Paul had visited uh, Athens <clears throat> prior to this trip. He saw the Parthenon. Dave, you and I saw the Parthenon, yeah. and uh, the uh, it, it is a massive structure. You guys have probably seen pictures of it if you if you haven't been there. But people um, believe that the the temple that was around the Artem, you know, the Artemis Temple, it was four times the size of the Parthenon. Hmm. I mean, I can't even imagine the Parthenon. Parthenon as we huge. Saw, it's yeah. massive, and yeah. to think about something being four times that wow. that size. Um, it dominates the just the the landscape, right? Mm-hmm. Every everything uh, that was happening around there, and there were lots of other pagan gods that were worshipped, but it was in this gigantic shadow of Artemis. So you got a commercial center. Uh, the uh, the goddess is a is is like a uh, a place that people want to visit. Mm-hmm. Right, it's like a tourist tourist attraction. It's a tourist yeah. attraction. So yeah. yeah, people are pouring in. Money's being spent. Yep. Probably tremendous pride mm. in Artemis. You mm. know, look at what you have done. Look at our big god and Artemis. See later, was, to, yeah, yeah. Well, that that 
the temple there was also a source of it. You talk about tourism, but you go back to Acts 19, we see there is a big old riot or, or, and what happened is that temple was actually a a means of income for a lot of people because Mm -hmm. they would sell goods that would worship Artemis, whether silver statues. And that was the, that's kind of where the riots came from in, in Acts 19, where these silversmiths realized, Oh man, we're gonna lose our right. job if people start mm-hmm. if people start worshiping Jesus instead of Artemis. We're we're gonna be out of money, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even just before that story, I think it's right before. There's the uh, the people who practice magical arts. They come and burn all their books. Mm-hmm. So there was even that part of like a religious experience and expression outside of even Artemis, and and the gospel is coming in and just devastating the religious and like the economic outcomes of that religion. Yeah, I yeah. think if I'm not mistaken, I think later on, this is hundreds of years later. You know, uh, Ephesus is going into decay. It's been overrun by marauding armies. Mm -hmm. And at one point, they were using uh, the stones from uh, the temple to build even Christian churches. You can imagine. Yeah, yeah. I think they actually, in in that video, if you get to see that, they actually took the stones, like you're saying, from that temple and built a wall around... um, St. John's Basilica, hmm. the church there that actually uh, houses the, the remnants of John the Apostle. Okay. Yeah, so John John lived in Ephesus then in his later later years, right? Yeah. So it's really interesting. Um, there, are, there are a number of significant biblical figures that we see showing up in Ephesus. So the first one that's mentioned is a guy named Apollos. And so we learn a little bit about Apollos from even uh, kind of some cross-pollination there in Corinth with, with Ephesus. Uh, Paul was obviously there, Brooks, you mentioned. He, his, he stayed in Ephesus longer than any other city that he would visit um, in, on his missionary journeys. Um, but yeah, other individuals show up. Timothy. Timothy is going to pastor for a significant period of time in Ephesus. And then uh, people may not know this, but the Apostle John. He ends up um, spending a significant amount of time and actually spends his his final days and is buried in the ancient city of Ephesus. Okay, so I think we've painted a pretty decent picture in just 20 minutes of Ephesus. Here's here's our wrap-up question then. So how does the study of historical Ephesus and even the letter of Ephesians give us direction for our own historical context or situation today? I think it can be easy to read about Ephesians and be like, man, that's so ancient. They had these temples to these goddesses and worshiped all these different religions that we know just even for the modern mind don't make any sense. And I was listening to a Tim Keller sermon just on idolatry from Acts 19 the other day. And he just made this really great pithy remark that the idols that people in Ephesus overtly worshiped are the kind of idols that we covertly worship now. Mm. We don't have silver statues of Artemis that we're bowing to. I hope we don't. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but we have all kinds of idols, cultural idols, um, our own personal things we're striving for in our life to become idols, people in our life to become idols that as we read Ephesians and we see the transformation that Jesus brings in their life, even just in these first verses, like a faithfulness to Jesus in a place where there were all kinds of different things that they could be faithful to. Like mm-hmm. Jesus can come and does come into our lives and transform and turn them upside down mm-hmm. and I think it one of the things is an opportunity to let um, our own idols be revealed mm-hmm. and let Jesus hopefully become like the one that we're faithful to mm-hmm. and have faith in. Yeah, yeah great word, Adam. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, as we've been diving into this, you know, we talked just briefly on on this podcast about 
the the culture, the the spiritual um, nature and temperature of that city. Um, But if you think about, if we were to paint a picture of Ephesus and just think about our own our own current context, like you said, Adam. So they were facing things like um, idol worship, idolatry, um, superstition. Um, there was demonic activity. There's mm-hmm. significant spiritual warfare, uh, gross uh, sexual immorality. Um, they were battling materialism, a love for ed- education that was devoid of the God that created them. And uh, we didn't mention this, but a significant worship of political leaders. And so, I mean, the, the one that rivaled Artemis was uh, was Caesar. Yeah. And so, uh, you probably saw that, Dave, when you were in Ephesus. I mean, Caesar was Lord. Mm-hmm. And so, for Paul to stand and say, uh, Artemis is not God, uh, Jesus is God is one thing, but to say that, you know, I mean, your notable figure, and they, they worshiped uh, whoever sat in Rome, whoever was Caesar, they worshipped that that individual as as God Himself, as the Lord. So, so there's hope for us. Looking at this yeah. book, yeah. looking at yeah. looking at this city historically, what the Lord did, all kinds of hope for us. I, yeah. Just perfect timing. I think the Lord uh, leading leading you to lead us, Jason, into mm-hmm. the book of Ephesians. I'm just excited about mm-hmm. it. Well, we'll be preaching through this book for how many weeks? Fourteen weeks. Fourteen. Fourteen weeks. weeks. Well, now we're ready to rock and roll. A little bit of a background on, on Ephesus. We'll see you guys next Sunday. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks for joining us this week. Listen in next week as we continue to encourage each other to practically follow Jesus through the application of gospel truth. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so, because we'd love to continue to dive into God's word with you. We'd also love to connect further with you. If you go to Bethel.ch, you'll see all sorts of ways to connect, serve, and worship with our church body. Finally, please consider sharing this podcast with your friends by word of mouth or on social media. Have a blessed week.